Good afternoon. How are you? You guys well? Awesome. I'm going to preach today. I, um, <laughs> I, um, I kind of feel like one of the things that I carry in this season is kind of what they called Elijah, which was the troubler of Israel, which is the one that kind of brought a provocation to what to business as usual. And I felt the Lord uh, give me something for you today that, that may make some of you feel a little bit uncomfortable. We're just going to go on the journey. Is that okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Turn to the other person and say, God is for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to preach this morning. I, uh, coming into the end of last year, transitioning in the end of last year, kind of between uh, New Year's Eve and the beginning of this year, I started to feel a very high level, a heightened level of sobriety about the era of time that we're in. I started to, to wake up, which is typical for me, but I started to wake up between the hours of two and four, or I would wake up in the morning feeling like the spirit of God was hovering over me, like kind of with a, with, with a level of, um, the only way I could describe it would be excitement, um, caution, and trepidation. Um, it was kind of a feeling of like, I'm super excited about where we're going in 2023, but I'm super, like, super, not nervous, but I've got a level of, like, intensity in my spirit about what the Lord is wanting to do and where we're going to go in this new year. How many people are a little bit like, ooh, yeah, 2023, but ooh, yeah, 2023? Hands up, right? Um and the Lord began to speak to me in the night hours and began to speak to me in the morning um, about several different things. And, and one of our national leaders um, had put a call out to different ones of us to release the word of the Lord for 2023 and what we were sensing. And part of the word that I released was that we were coming into an era of great contrast, that we were going to see darkness like, like literally you know, start to rise and wickedness rise in a certain realm, but we were also going to see the brightness of God rise in another way. That we were in a season that there was going to be contrasting like realities, gross darkness, but in the part of the, the, the brightness of God that we would break into an era where we see the miraculous through the lives of the believer. That the lives of the believer would begin to become like a walking billboard of the glory of God. That we would begin to see believers carrying the glory of God, the weightiness of God in a different way than we've seen before. But it will be for the purposes of combating the darkness that is coming to the earth. And the Lord started talking to me uh, in my times of like prayer and in my times of, of studying the scripture and, resor uh, and, and, and really meditating on, on the word of God, but also, you know, just kind of waiting on him through a few chapters and verses in the Bible. Second Timothy 3 verse 1 to 7 in the Passion says this, but you, but you, turn to some and say, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. How many people know we are in a fierce culture? Cancer culture, we are on that trajectory right now. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. 
They will, be, they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slave to their own desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. How many people know we're in that right now? That what is good and right, many people... You know, we're in a season, maybe I'll say it this way, that people are calling bad things good things and good things bad things. The Bible says here, with brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in the clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have respect from God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. The Bible says, stay away from people like these, for these are the ones who warm their way into the hearts of vulnerable women, spending their nights with those who are captured by their lust, steeped in sin. They are, listen, they are always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of truth. We are in a time where there is much learning that's going on. We've got TED Talks, we've got um, podcasts, we've got all manner of ways to learn. You actually don't even need to leave your house to get a full-on education in this era. But the Bible says that they are always learning, but never discovering the revelation knowledge of truth. Another passage of scripture in Luke 17, 26 says this, and this is the thing that the Lord told me. He said, we're entering into an era that is like the days of Noah. And just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the time of the second coming of the son of man. The people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage, but they were indifferent to God until the day that Noah went into the ark. It actually says later on there that they were building, they were carrying on business as usual without regard for their sin. One other passage of scripture here in Matthew 24, 4 says this, Jesus answered, the disciples were asking, at that time, he's talking about the end of the age, deception will run rampant, so beware that you are not fooled. Turn to someone and say, beware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give into your fears. For the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. It's coming. But it won't be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against others and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, systemic events of epic proportions, horrible epidemics, famines, famines, place after place. This is how the first contractions and the birth pains of the new era will begin. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. How many people love Jesus? Okay. Yep. Then many will stop following me and fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and for others will grow cold. We are seeing that right now in the body of Christ. Not only passion for God, but for others. But keep your hope till the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Now, that's a pretty heavy 
intro. But I, I have this level of sobriety in the midst of our time of prayer and fasting that we understand the era to which we participate in. We are in a season where pe- people are carry on, carrying on with life, not acknowledging the judgment that God will bring regarding their sin. We are in an era where people aren't repentant and no one cares to seek the Lord. In fact, we are in, one of the er- in an era of great deception for many. We are in an era and a time where there's a dullness over the eyes and the sight and over the ears to hear. But we are also in an era where the light of Christ is and wants to show off and demonstrate a heightened level of brightness. In Isaiah 61, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. This is where we are. And the nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your arising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. Let all gather together. Let them come to you. Your son shall come afar and your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Now this is the desire of God in the time and season that we're in. Is that his brightness would be seen on us and people would come to the brightness that they see in you. Though there is great darkness. But here's the thing. I started to see my husband and I actually, we legit, we've had so many conversations in the last few weeks about our concern, not just about, not about the harvest. We know we're in a season where there is, there's great harvest. People are going to come to know Jesus. But one of our great concerns right now is for the body of Christ and what we are seeing as it pertains to the dullness, the spiritual barrenness and the abandonment of people's faith. I have seen more people than I want to even admit that are deconstructing their faith and they are walking away. The Bible says there's going to be a great falling away. The Bible says that the love of many is going to, in the future, going to grow cold. So if you look around the room, look around the room for a minute. There will be those that are around you that they will not be here in in an age to come. And it is because the Bible says that, that it, you know, you, you, and maybe I'll say it in my paraphrase, you can come to church, you can jump up and down, you can sing songs, you can engage in a certain way, but your foundation is not in God and in the person of Jesus to the point where, where storms come you and, and things happen where you sit in the pew, you would come to church, sit in the pew, and you will be offended by the truth. The Bible says there is coming a day like that. People are going to be offended. You're going to hear the word of God and it's going to offend you. And you're going to think, why are they saying that? They're mean. They're, they're cruel. Like, how could they say that? We are, we're coming into that age, family. And I want to admonish you this morning into a different type of pursuit. Pastor Samuel spoke about it last week out of 2 Corinthians that the Lord looks to and fro in the land to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are wholly his. I want to submit something to you 
That when we talk about the promises of God, we're talking about the blessing of the Lord. We're talking about the miraculous breaking out in a given year. Some of you already have those testimonies. Those perks of the kingdom don't just happen because you come to church every week. They don't just come and happen because you tithe every week. It doesn't just happen because you checked your little box and you read one, two scripture and you think you're good for the week. I'm coming to provoke you this morning into a deeper pursuit of the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. We are in an era where you will not stand if you don't abide deeply in him. It's interesting. Something is really interesting that I've I've begun to observe in the body of Christ. Many of us really love Jesus. Many of us really want to journey with him. In fact, many of us show up like with all the right intentions. Like how many people are like, I just want to know him. Like we're there where we want to grow with him. We want to go deeper with him. All of us, you know, we have the right words sometimes and sometimes we don't have the right words. But I want to submit something to you that deep down inside a lot of us, I know I found myself here. A lot of us find that there's something missing. You know what I mean? You sing these songs. It's like, how great is our God? Or it's your breath in my lungs. So we pour out our praise. And there are lyrics on a screen that we understand with our mind. But there's a gap between us experiencing our God, the creator of the universe. The one who literally laid out the plan of all eternity. We don't experience him in a way that we know we should. Many of us know something's missing. Deep down inside of us, we, 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 we long to know what he really is like. We long to know what's he doing? How does he feel? How do I, you know, how does he think about me? That's like the cry of most of us. So we come to church, we come through our Christianity salvation and we, we, we set up shop and it's a great shop and we come, we sing these songs, we have these great experiences, but deep down inside something is missing. You know that you were created to encounter God in a deeper way. In fact, it's like in this given moment, you're like, that's me. I'm like, I'm doing this, but I'm not feeling this. Because the reality is we were made by God. We were made for God and we were made to search God out. This is your one job. Your one occupation in life. It's to search out the knowledge of God. I was with my son. Is he here? He is here. I was with my son. Oh, shout out to my 15-year-old who turned 15 yesterday. Um, I was with my son at Starbucks at a, uh, a Starbucks. We went inside because the line outside was like 20 cars strong. And I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go. It's kind of a little date thing. We go out to Starbucks. And we went in and there were like four people working behind the bar. Three of those people were on their phone talking and texting on Instagram. One person was serving the drive-thru. Three people on their phone. One person serving the drive-thru. Three people on their phone. Immediately, so I get in there, and I've worked customer service. I get in there, and all my customer service stuff is coming up in my heart, right? And I'm there here pacing here. So a guy sees me, he comes over to us, and he's, he's, you know, drops his stuff. He's willing to serve us. And then I turn around, I look at my son, and my son's like, they got one job. We're in here, you're getting paid. You got one job, ma'am. Put your phone down. 
We as believers, we have one occupation. It is to know God. And it's to do what God has placed you on planet earth to do. But it starts with the one occupation, which is to know God. Jesus says it in John. It's John 17. He says, this is eternal life that they may know me. All of eternity, which starts right here. Jesus defined the realm of eternity as touching God in the spirit. One job that we may know him. But here's the interesting thing in our culture, we've been fed a lie. A lie. We've been fed a lie that what we know about God by the way of information is enough. But you can go to the University of Toronto, I went there, you can study theology, but that actually doesn't lead to personal transformation. Do we know that? You can study and gain information, but that doesn't lead to personal transformation. Because information without touching the awe and wonder of God is fruitless. We were never designed to compile information and go our merry way and never encounter the living God in a personal way. Wonder. It's interesting. Once again, there are many believers that we come, we're declaring truth. We're declaring the promises. We're declaring who God is, but our lives are testimonies of unbelief. That is, not, that is not your best life as a believer. In fact, he designed us to be a walking billboard of the glory and the majesty of God. When I encounter people, people should be like this. Something, something, something. I don't know what it is, ma'am. I want to be around you. Because in their hearts, something leaps because there's, a, there's like, I don't know what it is, but when I'm around you, I feel lighter. When I'm around you, I see something that I've not seen before. So we must wage war against unbelief. This is the era to wage war against unbelief. The things that sap your energy, your strength, your distorted understanding and view of God is what is at the core of it. Actually, it's interesting. A Bible teacher, kind of in the prayer movement, he said, unbelief is the heart condition of someone who's bought into the lies concerning God and his nature. That if you've got an unbelieving heart, it's because you really don't know who he is and his nature. You can't, you can't hinge yourself in hope and faith to him because you really don't know if he's going to come through for you. Unbelieving heart. We've got to wage war against that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the Passion, we can all, turn to everybody say everybody. Turn to somebody else and say, and that's you, that's you. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one bright, brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are to move from one brightness to another. It's kind of like that dim lighter 
that some of you have in your home where you can put it on the lowest level of brightness and you can turn it up to however bright you want. We're called to be bright, not dull. Dullness is not really seen. That's the beauty of contrast. That's the beauty of being either hot or cold. Because I either want a hot drink or I want a cold drink. I either want hot food or cold food. Don't give me the lukewarm because then I feel like I'm getting cheated. I don't know about you. If I go to Starbucks and they give me a a lactose-free grande caramel macchiato extra hot, I've got to specify. And it comes to me lukewarm, you better believe I'm going to make another round. Because this is a hot drink, ma'am, not a cold drink. Dullness is not seen. We need to be able to see him. The psalmist said in Psalm 13, verse 3, Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness, or I will sleep the sleep of death. I had a vision the other day. Actually, let me say this. How many, how many of you have ever fallen asleep at the wheel? Hands up, let's admit, in the city of Toronto, let's go, fall asleep at the wheel. And you know, you kind of blink, you kind of, your eyes get closed, you open your eyes, you kind of jerk your thing. And some of you, you know, your angels are working overtime, you know, they give you a little, you go up on the sidewalk, you come back down and you're, you're okay, right? In the city of Toronto, admit, right? It's been me, we live in Oakville, so sometimes driving out there, it's like late at night, I'm like, ooh, you know, keeping my eyes open. But I saw a picture in the spirit that many had fallen asleep at the wheel, It wasn't that they were driving their own car with their own ride and their own intention. They had all intentions of following Jesus, but they started to feel a level of slumber come upon their Christianity. They started to feel like lethargy and a level of like falling asleep. Well, I'm here this morning to to, to ram you up against the sidewalk and say to you this morning, that there is more for you to, 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 to declare over you that you will not sleep the sleep of death, but that your spirit would be awakened to God in a new way. This morning, I'm here to rustle you out a little bit. Some of you are already offended. That's okay. That's okay. Because the truth, the spirit of truth comes not to make you cozy, but to disrupt the very mediocrity that you sit and abide in. God is saying, we are in a new era. This is a new day that I've made for you. This is a day for the believer to experience and showcase the glory of God and the miraculous. This is not like last year. It's not. We are beyond that, church. And if you have to do business with the Lord to deal with your disappointment, that's okay. He creates space for you on that. But do not drag last year into this year because it is a new day. And we need to see him and be filled with awe and wonder. What we see, we become. Some would use the terminology, what you behold, you become. For many of us, we shouldn't be asking, what am I going to do today? I'm going to start a new job, a new business. Am I going to take over the world? Maybe the question we should be asking is, who do I need to become in 2023? Who is the Lord beckoning me to become? Do you need to become who, one that loves God differently in 2023? 
Do you need to become wholehearted because you're partially there in 2023? I'm the one in my family, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I'm the one in my family that would spend countless amounts of dollars on beautiful things. Absolutely love it. I feel no shame about it. No shame about it. It's the way the Lord made me, Lord Jesus Christ himself. I don't feel no shame. I don't. So when I go on vacation, I love to stay in beautiful places. Because something about it reminds me about how God created me and what he called me to bestow upon others. Beauty. Something about traveling the nations makes me so alive. When I go to Dubai and I look at the dream of one man that erupted out of the desert. When I go to Budapest and I look at this river that that separates out two sides. I think it's like Buda and Pesh. Now Budapest. When I go to, you know, Bogota, Colombia. When I go to different places. When I was in, in Seoul, in Seoul, South Korea at the end of last year. I remember getting up in the morning, opened the windows to the city center and began to pray and prophesy over the beautiful people of South Korea. Just beginning to, to see the beauty that God has placed in the land. I would spend countless amounts of dollars to do that. Because I love the awe and the wonder of it. I love looking at breathtaking, picturesque sceneries. I love standing on the cliffs of mountains. I love standing on the ocean shore, looking out because something inside of me says there must be a God. So I want to challenge you. We were designed by God to stand in a place of awe and wonder of him. When you look up at the sky, something in it should say, wow, how in the world are we one planet among many? Is there not a God? I love to search it out. And we were made to search God out that way. Our mandate is to know him intimately, but yet we don't understand him. How is that? Like how we were made to know you, God, but yet we we stand afar kind of trying to figure you out. We have an invitation to engage him in a new way. I love what Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Job, you know, he went through like a hard time, like a really hard time. And he understood God in a certain way. But he says this at the end of his kind of like drama story. Job 42 verse 5 says in the Amplified, I heard of you only by the hearing of the ear, but now my spiritual eyes see you. I think there's something about sometimes hearing God, but being able to see him is a different knowing. It's just different. Isaiah said this in that famous chapter in Isaiah 6. He said, woe is me for I am lost for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips, Israel. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. We've got one job, family. It's this pursuit of the knowledge of God. He wants to show himself strong on those who pursue him. I don't, um, I was asking the Lord in the last 24 hours to give me a reminder of what he was doing in this year as we sought him and pursued him for those that pursued him wholeheartedly. And the Lord was um, last night, really late at night, I actually went to bed and I got up to a text of a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine um, who's amazing. Her and I grew up in a church where we had some like older church moms that would summon us in the summer. We gave our summers of our teenage years to praying at the church. 
and crying out to God, 6 a.m. On a, on a summer morning. And she texted me last night and she said, um, she's like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. I hadn't heard from her in a while. She's like, you wouldn't believe it. I'm pregnant with twins. And I was like, well, I literally sat up in my bed. Why? Because this friend of mine had gone through some health challenges in her early days. In fact, I, I walked alongside with her when the doctors put her on a really strict diet, of, a vegetarian, vegan diet. I actually became a vegetarian for a period of time to support her in her having to eat differently. But she um, has a heart condition, and the doctors told her after her first child, she almost died in labor and delivery. She's actually a nurse, but she almost died in labor and delivery. And the doctors said, if you have another baby, you will die on the table. Don't do it. Like, it is that serious. And unfortunately, you know, her and her husband were having some fun, and they got pregnant again. And um, she literally, the doctors and all these specialists summoned her in and said, we actually, as a medical community, don't know what to do. Because if we give you a C-section, your heart's probably going to stop. If you go into labor, the stress of labor will cause your heart to stop. We don't know what to do. You go home and think about it. What kind of, like, what kind of doctor, anyways... So her and her husband, once again, years of devotion to God, where we would go to God with the simplest things. And from childhood, we would learn to submit to God, resist the devil, give him our time, give him our energy. Her and her husband pulled away into a time of prayer and fasting. I'll never forget this. And the Lord gave them by word of knowledge what they needed to do. So they went back to the doctors and said, you will perform a C-section. These are the doctors that are going to be in the room. It's going to be fine. Sure enough, she had the baby by C-section. Her heart didn't stop. The professionals were there. It was fine and dandy. But they tied her tubes, um, and they said to her, Ma'am, please don't go at this again. Please don't go. Like, we are going to ensure. Y'all have your fun, but we're going to ensure this doesn't happen again. So... Fast forward 2017, the Lord miraculously heals her from her heart condition. But they were so devastated, because, well not devastated, they were happy about that, but they wanted more kids. They had two, but they wanted more kids. Uh, last year, 2021, a prophet comes, and she is like, like I am, I am into my 40s. She, she is like around my age, just a little bit younger than me. And they, the, a prophet comes around their church, she lives in Ottawa. And I asked her if I could tell you this story and prophesies to them, doesn't know them. You will be pregnant with twins next year. And everybody who knows her story is like, yeah, right, dude, you're off. <laughs> Tubes are tied. Everything is checked out. Da, 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 da. But they took the word of the Lord. They went into the secret place and they said, God, can you make a miracle happen? Would this be a sign of your goodness to those that said it cannot be so? Because she's in the medical community. Sure enough, last night she texted me. She said, I am not pregnant with one. I am pregnant with two. And the, and the Spirit of the Lord said to me in that moment, I sat up in my bed. My husband's like, are you okay? The Spirit of the Lord said to me, this is a sign of what the Lord wants to do in 2023. That there are things that are impossible to man, but possible with God. But here's the catch. It doesn't just show up in your lap because you show up at church. You've got to submit yourself to God. You've got to hear the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord is even greater than the word of man. But you've got to be able to discern his voice. So how do we journey into this era? Number one. You need to put away vain things. 
Psalms 119.37 says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. His ways. That word worthless is vain things. It means vain. It means, it may not necessarily mean things that are wicked and horrible and wrong, but there are things that we obsess about that, that take our way, take our energy, take our focus from truly abiding with him and pursuing him. This may be things we obsess about, our appearances, success, riches, all these things are important in the eyes of God. But here's the thing, the very one thing he's after is your devotion. We're in a time of prayer and fasting where we've consecrated and we said, God, we give you our gaze because we want to become something that is different and distinct from the world. That is the one distinguishing factor of the believer is the presence of God. How they tell the difference is the presence of God. You must have something, something, your aura, you know how they say, your aura, your something. It's the presence of God. So what does that mean in putting away vain things? You got to be aware of the things you assume and presume. You may assume all things are great, but God says, no, 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 no. Lay it down. Cast your crowns down. Sometimes the greatest hindrance to us in the household of faith is what we assume God is good with. Do you really know what pleases him? Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. I want to be one that is known by God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to sit in the council of God and be known. That girl knows God. She may be rich, she may be cute, you know, nice shoes, but she knows God. Our new covenant, priestly duty, the thing that we are, as we, as we have the blood that was shed for us, you know, no longer is the Old Testament, you know, priests going and doing the sacrifice and all that. Our New Testament priestly duty is to keep our hearts innocent to keep our hearts alive and to keep our hearts abiding in the steadfast love of God. That's your one job. It's to keep your heart alive in him. To keep your heart innocent, which means to be hungry. Hungry people are like savages, right? You know, when you're hungry, it's, a, it's like clear the pathway. Don't talk to me when I'm hungry, right? When you're hungry, you're, sad. you're going to pursue that which you are hungry for. Yeah, yeah. Hungry people do crazy things. They do crazy things. So number one, put vain things away. Worthless things. Number two, embrace humility. The Lord God said to me this year, and I was with a company of prophets in uh, November in Dallas. And the one thing the Lord said to this company of prophets, just global prophets from all around the world, is that we all needed to, to cut out a good slice of humble pie. That we need to embrace humility. Because the Bible says in James, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's some things that you need to stop saying that you're the expert in. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's what immature children do. They want to tell you about things that they actually don't really even understand. Or they're immature in. 
So we've got to bow low. We actually need God. The difference between people that know they need God and people that know that don't really have God in their lives is the people that need God go after God and recognize they need God. People that don't live by God just don't live by God. Like there's just a sense of like, well, I can do me. But we need God. So number one, put away vain things. Number two, embrace humility. Number three, search God out. Like I said, we've got one job. Job Job 36, 26 says this. Behold our God. God is great and we know him not. The number of his years are unsearchable. What you think you know, you don't know. Or what you think you know, you may know, but there's more to know. Maybe I'll say it that way. There's so much to know about God. There's so much to know about God. Lately, I've been finding myself pulling away before the Lord. Actually, you were telling me the same thing this morning. Pulling away before the Lord and actually starting to tremble, starting to feel my body like almost on fire because I'm beginning to see something I didn't see before. It's kind of like the cherubim and the seraphim that are around the throne in Revelations where the Bible says that they are burning. Because when you get around God and the nature of God and the, the pursuit of God, you begin to burn. I felt the spirit of the Lord say to me, I was here, um, maybe it was Tuesday morning early, I came in like secretly, don't anybody show up, this is my time with the Lord, I was here at like six or something in the morning, the reason why I say nobody show up, because you don't tell people, yeah, I was here at six on Tuesday mornings, and, and all of a sudden people are at the door knocking, coming to pray, but I was here contending and praying, and the spirit of the Lord said to me that he is raising up burning ones, like a company of those that will stand in the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of this church. And some of them would be in the cluster of friend groups that say and go before the Lord and like, we're not going to move from here until we experience the nature of God. Because what he's needing is forerunners that would be a signpost to other believers and to the world that there is truly a God. Search him out. And what is this journey called? This journey is called the narrow road. The narrow road. My husband and I were talking about this the other day. This, that passage out of Matthew that talks about us coming to God through the narrow gate because the wide gate and broad place is the way that leads to destruction. And nearly everyone, this is what the Bible says, chooses the crowded road. Because the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13, the narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. I don't think all of us sign up for the difficult way. Sign up for difficulties right here and you'll meet God. Yeah, no. But the Bible says that many choose the crowded pathway. So that's the reality, even of the end times. Many will choose where the crowd is going. Many will be like, I don't want to do it alone. Typical Canadian. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to do it alone. Let's just go where everybody's going. But but the Bible says that that eternal life, that journey of consistently following him is the narrow pathway. And it's a difficult life choice. Nothing about it is cozy and comfortable. But you will, but there are a lot of things along that way that God provides for you, which are amazing. But just understand this, it is not the way that everybody chooses to go. So we got to search God out. We got to go that narrow way. 
And lastly, we need to, number four, so once again, put away vain things. We've got to embrace humility. We've got to search God out. Number four, we've got to walk in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We need to fear the Lord. Some of us don't understand the knowledge of God because we don't walk in the fear of God. Because when you walk in the fear of God, you begin to understand the nature of God because he reveals himself to you because you walk in the fear of God. How do I know this? Abraham. Abraham in the Bible in Genesis, um, he walked in the fear of the Lord. He walked in the fear of the Lord to the point where God had promised him all these different things. How many people have a lot of promises over their lives? Like God's saying a lot of good stuff. He promised him a son. He promised in him that the nations of the world would be blessed, that great would be his seed. And then when he had his son, Isaac, he said, okay, Abraham, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take your son up to the thing and sacrifice your son. The Bible says Abraham waited 10 days and debated, checked with his Facebook friends, decided to see, did a little poll on Instagram to see if it was yay or nay. No, he didn't. The Bible says the next morning he, ra- he got up early and went up the mountain because he feared the Lord, although his promise was at risk. He knew that the God of the universe, what he had promised, he was going to come through on his word. He just didn't know how he's going to do it. But he knew that if he obeyed him, he will get what he has promised him. So my man takes his son, gets up the mountain, sacrifices his son. And then what happens? The Lord then reveals himself to him. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Oh God, you are the provider. So my guy has an encounter. He, he, he sits in the fear of the Lord. He responds to God and God reveals himself. So when we fear him, when we walk with him, he begins to reveal who he is and his nature. And when you lack the fear of the Lord, you create ideas in your mind about God, about who he is, his capacity, what he loves and what he hates based on your own ideologies. I don't even know what I just said. Okay. That's in the flow. But the fear of the Lord, if you were to to break it down to this, it's an acute awareness of God, what he loves, what he hates, what his perspective is, what your motivation is. When you fear God, you sit there and you're like, are you for this? Because if you're not for this, I'm not for this. God, what are you saying about me coming, going and taking that job? God, what are you saying when I stand there and everybody's slandering this person and, and, I, and I'm about to slander? Like, what are you saying? When we understand the fear of the Lord, we will walk differently. And it's the understanding that God sees everything. He sees the real you. He knows the real you. So you might as well bring him your best and your worst in the place of vulnerability because he already knows it. He already knows it. It's the fear of the Lord. What are you saying? What are you doing? Where, where do I need to be? What are you, what, what's happening here? He wants to deal with our, our, our man-made images of who he is. Israel was notorious for this. I'm going to close. Ooh. Israel was notorious for this. Often we think about Israel from this standpoint. We look at this room and we say, Israel, this is Israel. Everybody in this room that's here and born in this generation, this is Israel. But that's not the case. Israel was generations after generations after generations. 
So when the Bible said they fell away from God and served other, they were unfaithful, we're talking about a lot of people over a long period of time. And the problem with Israel is that they had a wrong perspective of God. They, were, they thought he was distant. They thought he wasn't personal. They were detached from him. So they became unfaithful to him. And the Lord had to send prophets to challenge them and to bring their hearts back to him. They assumed God wouldn't care about their unfaithfulness. They assumed that God was kind of like comfortable with their complacency and unbelief. And these were the chosen people. We are the people of God. So when we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we have to make sure that we don't assume God is okay with our complacency, unbelief, and just blah. God wants to challenge us. He wants to invite us to the deeper. So we can't, oof, I'll end with this. We can't make God into God that we can control, manipulate, and use for our own plans and ideas. He's not that God. He is holy. He is the great God. I want to pray for you this morning. I, I, was, I said to first service, I've got so much more, but I just feel like I've got to end here. I've definitely got to end here. Um, Proverbs 2 1 to 15, and maybe we'll talk about some of that next week. It talks about how you walk this out. Because here's the thing, in 2023, this is not about, I told my husband, I'm not coming to church if church is just songs and dance and we go home and nobody's changed. You can go to a club and get more out of it than that. But God has designed us to engage with the fiery nature of his all-consuming power. You were made for the all-consuming God and the all, the God who is, the Bible said, is jealous for you. And I want to challenge you this morning that 2023 is a question. The question that is like, should reverberate in your spirit is, is who am I becoming? Am I becoming a cold, dull, heartless believer? And nobody signs up for that. But the Bible says in the end of the days, many will sign up for that. And I believe it's, it doesn't start like one day you wake up and you're just like, I don't want to follow Jesus. I'm not passionate. It is a slow drip in the arms of Christians. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. And once again, I, I, part of my job is to provoke you into greater levels of intimacy, to call you back to the heart of God. To understand that God is a hundred percent committed in love to you. He already made the greatest pursuit towards you and sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He's already poured out such affection and devotion in the passage of scripture in Romans that said, yet while we were still sinners, he died for us. Like when we were doing foolishness, he sent his son for you. And now for his bride that is maturing in their faith, he says, will you choose the narrow way every single day? 
when it's hard and when people are, are, you know, when you want to watch Netflix and you're just like, I need a vacation, I need rest. Let me promise you this. The rest that you may need may not be a vacation. It may be abiding in God in a deeper way. The Bible says in Ephesians that his supernatural power energizes us. There's an energy that you cannot get from Cuba or from Tobago or wherever you go, the Maldives, depending on your budget, wherever you go, right? Trinidad, wherever, but can only come from abiding in the deep places, the hiding places of his glory. He's looking for the burning ones. Oh, this is about to turn. There's a tide that is going to turn in our church. And there are some that will be offended by it. But the Lord is summoning a new company of believers in this house. He's actually looking. I could just feel the spirit of the Lord hovering and just saying, who who will choose to partake in the greater places of prayer, seeking, knowing, and walking in the fear of the Lord? So I want you to do this. If you're feeling stirred by this, I'm going to pray for you really quickly. I actually just want to pray for you. If you're feeling stirred by this, and it may not be everyone, I am well aware of that. If you're feeling stirred, I want you to just stand because I actually feel like a grace coming on the house of the Lord. That God would make us a house of prayer for all nations. That God would begin to move and breathe in the spirit of each one. That we would not sleep the sleep of death. But that an awakening would come to our hearts. So just put your hand on your heart this morning. This is something that doesn't happen at an altar with anybody laying on of hands. It actually happens when you make a decision. God, I pursue you. Father, I pray for every heart right now as we are in Seek 23. That, Father, you would awaken those that feel dull and not sharp, those that feel like they can't hear you anymore, that they're drowning in their own life, that, Father, their appetites are all over the place and where they feel like the things that they want to do, they don't do, and the things that they don't do, they do. Father, I pray for those hearts right now. God, I ask that you would awaken fresh hunger and desire. Father, I pray that everywhere we go, we begin to see you at at work, that, Father, you would put in us, Father, a deeper hunger for you, a deeper passion. Father, that you would blow on the dry places of our heart this morning. Father, that a cry would arise out of your church this morning for fresh encounter. Father, that we would forgive us where we have been satisfied with lukewarm Christianity. God, where we have come, where we have not reverenced your name. Father, where we just treat the things of the kingdom as just regular things. God, may we know who we carry. Wow. God, I ask for a distaste for the things that sap the energy of your church. Just break it off. Break it off. Break it off. Break it off. God says he's giving you eyes to see him and a heart to know him. And the enemy wants to make you feel like you don't have any other choice but to follow what everybody else is doing or you're tired. You're you're always tired. God says that he's bringing strength to the weak. So I thank you for that this morning, God. 
come on, I want you to just in a few seconds, we're going to release you parents to get your kids. I need you to begin to cry out to God a bit. I need you to just say, hey God, this is you and God, just begin to ask God, God, I want you. Father, I need you. Father, increase the fear of the Lord in my heart. Father, I need you to change me. I need you to transform me. God, I lay down, I cast down the crowns, the the obsession I have with success and money and prestige and all these different things. I know if I seek first your kingdom, all these things will be added. Some of you need to just draw a line in the sand because this is going to be a year of wonder and awe. And those that come and gather, they're going to gather around the warmth of the fiery, burning presence of Jesus. God says no more spectating. For those of you who know you spectate, God says you will get where you need to go when you fix your gaze on me. So Father, right now, I pray that you would disrupt and interrupt our plans that stray us from you. That you would unhinge us to the things that are dragging us down. And I thank you for that today in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your son. Spirit of the truth, bring us into fresh understanding. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to close. Um, it'd be wrong of me, like, if, if you've never experienced God in a way of a personal relationship with God where you turn your back on sin... And you say, there is a higher power. There is a creator. I recognize I need him. There will be those at the altar that can lead you in that prayer. Because that is the most important thing. The most important thing that you think about and that is in your life is how you view God. And what your thoughts about him are. If you know that he is a God that loves you and wants to draw you to him, then that is so important. So I'm going to end here. I think there are a couple closing remarks, but we're going to end just with worship. For those of you who have kids, if you don't mind just slipping out and grabbing your kids, but I want this to be a place. If you're going to talk, feel free to leave. I just want this to be a place of worship for those that want to stay and worship a few more moments. The altars are open. Feel free to come. If you want prayer, pastoral staff will be here. Um, there's a couple things. Cap Money Course is starting in about... Uh, 1.30-ish in about 15, 20 minutes. Um, Youth rally is next Friday and youth practice is right after church in the sanctuary once this is done. But if you don't mind raising your hands for a moment, the team is going to lead us into just a song of worship to close today. And if you need prayer or anything, feel free to come. And don't forget connection prayers are this week as a part of the prayer and fasting initiative.